0: Hello and thank you for joining us for another episode of NICE Talks. I'm Matthew Brown, part of the media relations team here at NICE, and in this episode we're going to be talking about exercise and encouraging those with long-term conditions such as type 1 diabetes to take up regular activity to get their heart pumping a little faster. We'll be hearing from Chris Bright, who's lived with type 1 diabetes for 20 years, Partha Carr, a consultant in diabetes, and Peter Dixon, the president of the Royal College of Chiropractors. We'll find out the concerns of people with type 1 diabetes about exercising, learning what the NICE guidelines say, and discovering whether those living with the condition should exercise at all. First, I'm joined by Chris Bright.
1: I discovered I had type 1 diabetes in September 1999. It ran in the family slightly, so my uh, my granddad had type 1 diabetes. So my mum kind of knew some of the symptoms and what to look out for. So she spotted, I suppose, what we would call now the four T's. So she could see that I was getting thinner. Um, I was using the toilet more. I was more thirsty and drinking a hell of a lot and also tired as well for no kind of explained reason which led to obviously then walking into a GP surgery and then being immediately sent to hospital and I spent sort of four or five days then in in hospital learning to manage the condition what that meant for me in terms of food nutrition regime and then obviously injections and taking on insulin.
0: What did your doctor say to you about exercising and playing football with diabetes?
1: My doctor at the beginning, sort of referencing exercise and particularly football, they were trying to be as positive as they could about me being able to play and enjoy it. They exercised caution, but essentially they were relatively positive, which is always key, I think, when you have that kind of change. And um, it meant that I could, you know, go on and, and, and view it positively um, with um, with my family around me who were also pretty positive. Doctors played a big role in, in me uh, adjusting, but also um, I think the the key thing was that the mindset that they gave me from, from the outset with positive language.
0: Has having type 1 diabetes impacted on your ability to exercise and to play football?
1: Having type 1 diabetes definitely does impact on your ability and I suppose your desire to exercise and play football. I think uh, when it means a lot to you, you find a way around it. So for me it's always been about learning about how i can manage the condition to ensure i could still play the thing that i i really enjoy doing it obviously changes uh, day by day it's a never it's a ever moving condition things happen all of the time and you're just trying to adapt and always be ready to adapt um, with it to ensure you can continue to play so for me I've always been thinking about regimes. I've always been thinking about the food and the, the diet that I have, the insulin that I take on board and always being prepared. I've always tried to ensure that I have hypo treatments available. I've always got my testing kit around so I can um, continuously monitor my blood glucose levels and ensure that I'm able to play to the best of my ability. Playing to the best of my ability has obviously been a, a big part Part of some of the success I've seen in sports. A really big part of that has been down to the commitment to wanting to ensure I had everything available wanting to ensure that i could manage type 1 diabetes to the best of my ability when i took on sport and exercise because if i don't manage it well in those situations and i'm not prepared for those situations i don't enjoy the exercise i don't enjoy the sport because you end up then in a situation where you can have hypoglycemia or hyperglycemia and you don't feel well because you've not learnt how to manage the condition for sport and exercise
2: My name is uh, Partha Carr, I'm a consultant in diabetes uh, based in Portsmouth and I also work as a National Specialty Advisor with NHS England for Diabetes.
0: When a patient comes to your clinic,
2: what do you advise them when it comes to exercise? So when a patient comes to clinic, um, one of the things that does come up from time to time in the world of type 1 diabetes is exercise, the worry about it, the fear about it, while at the same time, the whole world around you is encouraging you to do exercise. So normally what we tend to do is we have a conversation about the worries, the pros, the cons, things to be aware of. And a majority of the time is probably spent uh, directing them towards uh, websites or resources which are authorised, so to speak, uh, with good evidence base behind it. And that's what we tend to do. But it's a very common topic for sure.
0: What does the NICE guidelines on type 1 diabetes
2: recommend? The NICE guidelines in type 1 diabetes is very clear about the importance of exercise. It never says don't do it. It very clearly states that it is something that type 1 diabetes patients should embrace. It also talks about the need to recognise the issues of uh, pose or high blood glucose, awareness of reading it, but there clearly is a steer towards encouraging people to take this up.
0: Does exercise cause hypos? Is that one of the fears that those living with type 1 face?
2: One of the common things we do get asked is whether exercise causes hypos all the time and whether it's worth doing it. I think... As mentioned, the most important thing is about having the right information. So to begin with, not all types of exercise causes hypos. There is anaerobic exercise, there's aerobic exercise. Everything has got a different way of doing uh, or having an impact on your blood glucose. And I think that's where the information portal comes through. Whether you're doing high-intensity exercise or lower-intensity exercise, they do have a bearing. Uh, it does have a bearing what your blood glucose is to begin with, where it might go after the exercise. So I think that's where the information comes into play so that you you are making those adjustments to your type 1 diabetes accordingly.
0: And is there websites or resources that you'd recommend patients look at?
2: So NHS Choices has got a type 1 diabetes specific website and uh, it was built by people with type 1 diabetes um, and I would recommend a lot of people to go to that website, have a look. There is a specific section on exercise which further links to other relevant websites such as the Diabetes UK website. Uh, One of the other websites to look into is a website called runsweet.com. There's a fair few information portals out there where people can learn from.
0: Type 1 diabetes is just one of many chronic conditions which might prevent people from taking up regular exercise. A healthcare professional might refer their patient to a chiropractor if they've not been active for a long time. We spoke with Peter Dixon, who has been a chiropractor since the 1980s, about why someone might visit him or his colleagues for help getting active again.
3: Chiropractors have a very big role to play in getting people active again. Exercise is a funny word. We tend to think of exercise as structured, relatively high-intensity impact, that sort of thing, like going to a gym or going swimming or running, whereas actually exercise starts with being active. And if you've got somebody with a chronic long-term condition, the first thing to do is to get them active again. And it's only when they're active that you can then start to develop um, a rehabilitation approach which would inevitably involve increasing that activity, or at least maintaining it, so that the tissues that are involved can start to recover. Treatment by a chiropractor isn't just the high-impact intervention which a lot of people associate us with, but it's actually a package of care associated with understanding what's going on and then looking at how to start the process of rehabilitation of those tissues. The ultimate aim, once you've got joints moving properly and got a degree of comfort into the system, is to get them to do a bit more activity and ultimately possibly to take on some structured exercise routine in order to improve their performance.
0: What is the short and long term impact of exercise and how does it affect someone's well-being?
3: Uh, Well the short-term impacts of exercise are simply to improve the range of movement of a joint, uh, get the muscles working a bit better so hopefully you make people a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more active. That's the short-term impact. The long-term impact is to get people into a frame of mind where fitness and health become a a key element of what they're doing. So you try to improve their quality of life, you try to improve the way they move, you try to improve their enjoyment of various things. So it's not just physical well-being, but it's also mental well-being. And we're in an era now where mental health is a big issue, so if you can get people to take control of their own lives and start to feel better about themselves, then that's got to have significant knock-on benefits.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of nice talks we hope you find the information useful if you have a long-term condition and are inspired to get active we'd recommend speaking to your gp about the best way forward if you're new to nice talks we'd like you to become a regular listener you can subscribe to the podcast through all the usual channels and you can also find us on social media just search for @nicecoms. nice thank you for joining us